0: This is a broadcast of Holland United Church of Christ. At Holland UCC, we seek to open the mind and engage the heart. We are a community of justice, peace, and affirmation in Holland, Michigan, where everyone is welcome to the table. Holy Gospel according to Luke chapter 1, Luke 1, 39 to 56 For the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. God's mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. She has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. She has helped her servant Israel in remembrance of her mercy." According to the promise God made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to Abraham's descendants, forever. And Mary remained with her about three months, and then returned to her home. For the word of God in Scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us. Thanks. Thanks be God. God. Well, it's easy to get sentimental around this time of year. Around Christmas time, it's a time that I love and have many good memories of, thinking about gathering with family, thinking about memories of childhood, gift giving, and things of that nature. And it comes back to us every December as the lights go up and the trees get decorated and we see Displays the figures of Mary and Joseph and baby and the shepherd and the shepherds and the wise men. There is a built-in nostalgia, isn't there? A built-in coziness. It's like being wrapped up in your favorite blanket with a nice warm cup of your favorite kind of coffee or hot cocoa as the snow falls outside and all seems right with the world. But our text today that reminds us that all is not right with the world. That Christmas is far deeper than nostalgia or good feelings or tinsel. In our text today, Mary meets with her cousin Elizabeth, both of them unexpectedly with child, And it could be easy to view even this encounter through the same snow globe stylized lens of an Old Navy commercial, or maybe a Target, A family moment for the scrapbook, cousins connecting while both pregnant, let's plan the baby showers. But the text, if we take it seriously, doesn't allow us to linger for long in such sentimentality. It, like the entire Christmas story, is filled with sharp edges and subversion. Caitlin Schess put it this way, every discussion of, quote, biblical womanhood should include the fact that in Luke 1, two pregnant women celebrate their new motherhood by passionately discussing the coming overthrow of every earthly empire. Give an amen. amen? Pretty good, huh? I like That's one way to look at it. A good way to look at it. And I love the image on the front of our bulletin this morning. Picture of Mary. It's a woodcut style image that was created a few years back, and it immediately sort of caught on, and I don't know if it went viral, but it went a lot of places. And uh, it was created by Benjamin Wildflower, who's a member of an AFL-CIO trade union who pursues his passions of art and printmaking on the side. And he said, there are enough images out there focusing on the lowliness and meekness of Mary. I wanted to make one that highlights her holy rage and her indictment of an economic system built on idolatrous ideas of who it is that deserves, or doesn't deserve, things like food and shelter. Benjamin says, I like that, Mary. I do too. And I like this image because it presents Mary in sort of an unfamiliar pose. Right? She's defiant. She's trampling a skull and a snake. She's got her hand raised, as one person put. It's like she's at a Black Lives Matter rally or protesting against bad immigration policies, or protesting against not addressing climate change. Right? She's strong, she's defiant, she's powerful. And around her in the woodcut are her words. Right? Her words, cast down the mighty, send the rich away, fill the hungry, lift the lowly, and with her arm raised, you can almost hear her chanting those words and punching the air for emphasis. Benjamin Wildflower's depiction of Mary is at once both familiar and unfamiliar. Mm -hmm. We know instantly that it's her, but it's a stance that's startling, surprising, and slightly, perhaps even unsettling. Exactly what Christmas should be when we allow it to unwrap itself from our attempts to contain and beautify it. Mary sings in our text today of a great leveling, a holy leveling in which the low are lifted up and the great and powerful are brought back down to earth. Mary is one of the original feminists, you could say, who knew with all the fire of the prophets of old that God doesn't delight in our divisions and imbalances, our hierarchies that privilege a few at the expense of the many. And in the tradition of Mary, many over the years, over the centuries, have worked hard to bring her vision into some sort of reality in our world. We might look at the feminist movement from early last century. We might look at the civil rights effort from mid last century as efforts of bringing this leveling into being. And occasionally we see powerful figures, powerful individuals who embody Mary's fire, Mary's prophetic witness. And one of those such folks was Bell Hooks, who died this past Wednesday. She was a trailblazer in the tradition of Mary, a feminist before feminism, was cool. And she knew that regardless of our gender or our gender identity, we should all be feminists. Why? Well, oh, because women have been at the bottom of the social hierarchy for too much of human history. And she knew that humanity is Better off, all of humanity is better off when our false divisions and hierarchies are torn down. She knew that power abuses, and too often women have borne the brunt of that. That's why she wrote, Feminism is for Everybody, over 20 years ago. And that's where our words uh, from Integration and Guidance came from, that Stephanie read for us. And she knew that feminism was given a bad rap. I mean, who among us grew up hearing that feminism was was a good thing? Maybe a few of us, but but not me. Feminism was bad. It was dangerous. It was something to look out for. It was something for weirdos and liberals. You might have been called a feminazi, even. Well. She knew it was given a bad rap intentionally, right? Because it threatened the status quo. She knew that most folks learn about feminism through patriarchal mass media. But she also knew that issues of sexism weren't the only issue at hand, right? That there were also other challenges woven through intersectionally, issues like race and class. And that, at least in the early feminist movement, many of the outspoken figures were white and were middle class or better off. And so there were issues of race and class along with the issues of sexism that needed to be addressed in our world. And Bell Hooks was anything but white or middle class or well off. She was born Gloria Jean Watkins as the fourth of seven children in Hopkinsville, Kentucky and raised in the South, she became all too familiar with the racial, gender, and class hierarchies that left her a black female born to a poor family in the South, at the bottom of any sort of hierarchy we might imagine. And she was a voracious reader. Her sisters tell of the story of when they were young that she learned to read and write, her sister Gloria, at a young age, and she would often be up late into the night reading, writing with her light on, and they'd have to yell down to mom for her to be quiet, turn her light off so that they could get some sleep. Well, she went on to higher education at Stanford, Wisconsin, and UC Santa Cruz, and when she began to write, Gloria Watkins took the pen name of Bell Hooks in honor to her maternal great-grandmother. And she insisted on rendering it all in lowercase, Because she said, I want the focus to be on the ideas that I'm writing about, and not on me. Speaks powerfully, I think, to the kind of person she was. And so when Bell Hooks calls us all to be feminists, we can hear that ancient song of Mary. When she writes, simply put, feminism is a movement to end sexism, sexist exploitation, and oppression, we can see a holy leveling at work. When we see Rosa Parks claim her humanity by refusing to give up her seat, we see a holy leveling at work. When Fannie Lou Hamer, youngest of 20 children born to sharecroppers in, in Mississippi, strikes fear into a president because of her powerful voice for civil rights, we see a holy leveling at work. When we see Bree Newsom Bass climb the flagpole of the South Carolina State Capitol to tear down a Confederate flag that has hung there proudly for over 55 years, we see a holy leveling at work. When we see a black woman in the White House for the first time as vice president, we see a holy leveling at work. When we see priority given to affordable housing over yet more wealthy homes in our neighborhoods, we see a holy leveling at work. When we see calls for reparations to black and indigenous people of color turn into actual policy and material reality, we see a holy leveling work and when those of us who are white go beyond diversity training to become true anti-racist allies we see a holy leveling at work and when those of us who are straight and cisgender step to the side to allow the voices of our gay queer and trans friends to be lifted up we see a holy leveling at work When we reclaim Christmas, not just for its nostalgia, but for its subversion, we see a holy leveling at work. But we know there is still so far to go. There's still so far to go. So this week leading up to Christmas, if you have opportunity to come across a small nativity scene, maybe even in your own home, and you see the Holy Family, focus in on Mary and picture her with her hand raised, hell bent on justice. And if you're still enough and quiet enough, you might just hear her singing, "Amen." so